I was very dedicated to prove to them that I was serious. So yes, I would get every single coffee they asked, every single food. I would stay there for many, many hours. Sometimes sessions went up until three in the morning. It was really kind of like, okay, every day I have either the guts or nothing else. I either do it or I don't. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie, and I'm glad you're here for the epic conversations that will take you from aspiring to actualizing your dreams. Let's get started right now. Welcome back to another episode of the Start Right Now podcast. You guys know how much I love speaking with creatives, creators, and my guest on today's episode is no exception. She's a new buddy, one of my pod buddies. We've been working really hard together to grow and start something new. So Drea's story is going to be super inspirational for a lot of you listening, whether you are a musician, a creative, entrepreneur. She has a lot to offer us today. So Drea, She's a Latina, 26-year-old, living in LA, pursuing her own journey, following her dreams of being a creator and inspiring other creative millennial entrepreneurs. She's known as a singer-songwriter who has charted in the top iTunes charts with her EP, Echoes. And she's also a co-writer for Gloria Estefan's single, Cuando Hey Amor. I clearly, you know, Canadians, French second language, not Spanish, but I'll get her to help me correct that. Anywho, we're going to hear from her, but I want to welcome to the show, Miss Drea Lopez. Hello, my God, what an intro. I feel so special. <laughs> you are special and super talented. I Did I pronounce that right? Cuando el amor? How, how, how far off am I? Tell me. You're really not that far off. Honestly, it, it, it's cuando hay amor. You don't pronounce the H, but you really did nail it. I'm so proud of you. Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep working on it. You gotta, you gotta give me a few more lessons along the way. So Drea, I like to start my episodes with a little bit of a rapid fire when I introduce a new guest just to give them a really quick piece and look at a little bit more about you. So are you ready for a couple of rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. First question is, what are you working on right now? I'm working on connecting with other creative millennial entrepreneurs and my podcast. What is your superpower? My superpower is trying to find the positive in every negative that I am faced with. Words that you live by, favorite quote, passage, some words that you hold close. Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. You actually are the first guest, I think, to actually <laughs> answer my questions quickly. So I love really? that you, you know this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, three words to describe your creative process. Hmm, intuitive, raw, honest. So, Drea, I want to dig into your story today because it's super interesting. Obviously, I know you current from our work together podcasting, but you have such a crazy story that brought you to where you are today from like all of us dealing with imposter syndrome, you know, trying to find the courage to pursue these big dreams as a musician to in recent writing hits for the Gloria Estefan. How did we get here? Tell us a little bit more about <laughs> your journey? My journey started when I was pretty young, honestly. I think I have kind of become the woman I am today because of a few things that have happened in my life. One of them being when I was younger in school, I was bullied by a bunch of girls in my class. And that actually gave me the opportunity to start writing music. So I would come home and I would write in my journal. I've been journaling since I was and like I think 12 or 14. I have journals like pretty much for my whole life. 
So when I would come home, I would journal, I would write, and little by little, those words started becoming songs when my parents bought me a guitar for my birthday. I would just kind of come home and release all the stuff I was feeling through my music. No one really knew I could write and sing, only a few people and usually just my family. When I graduated eighth grade, those girls came with me to high school. That was really hard because I thought I had kind of gotten over that, but I had to kind of continue. I made a new friend in the new school that I was at. That friend was the only one that knew I could sing and write. She knew all my songs and ended up signing me up for the school talent show behind my back. And I got called into the office. I thought I had done something completely wrong, which was not like me at all at the time. And I was just very scared. I went to the audition room and got into the show. And then I ended up winning the show. And from winning the show, it really, it sounds cliche, but it really did change my life because it was the moment I realized that people really did want to be my friends. I just wasn't letting myself be that person. And they would come up to me after the show and say, aren't you in my math class? Like, why are you always so quiet? Uh, I would love to hear more of your music. And I started then realizing I could kind of be more of who I really am and kind of let go a little bit, be more outgoing and more of like an external kind of personality. That was kind of the start of my music career because then I started getting booked with the school events. So anything that they ever had, I was like the opener or the person that would sing or kind of be the entertainment. And from there, I just kept writing and writing every single day. I loved it so much. It was, like I said, my release. That is wild. I think we all need that friend, right? We need friends like that that can help us reveal the things and the potential that we don't even see for ourselves. I hope uh, you, you gave your friend something special after that because she really, you know, helped to give you the nudge uh, along the trajectory of what is now an incredible path, eh? Yeah, totally. She, honestly, we're still, we're still friends today. And I remember telling her at one point, like, thank you so much for doing that because I would have never done that alone, you know, on my own. It, she was just a great person to have with me on my by my side during those years because she really did always support me and always was like, you can do it. Why not? Just give it a shot. She was really confident and I really needed a friend like that, that I could kind of see as confident and be like, I can be that too. And then when I graduated high school, I went to college and studied business, but realized it wasn't really what I wanted. So and I came back to Miami and decided to apply to Frost School of Music, where I studied music business. And that's kind of like the start of my music career. Now going from the high school talent show to being away from music and then deciding that it's what you wanted to study and really take to the next level is a is a big shift, a big jump. What was the next phase? What did that look like for you? Well, my parents, when they came to visit me at that school that I was only at for four months, they realized I was really sad because I wasn't studying what I really wanted. And they were actually the ones that kind of gave me the go ahead. Like, you should, you should study music. And that was kind of the push I needed, you know? I think everyone at the time, I think sometimes still today, I think creatives don't have like a means to an end, you know? Like, you, don't, you won't make money doing what you love. Mm -hmm. And I felt really good that my parents were the ones that were like, do it, go for it. You know, we support it. 
that was a really good thing for me personally, because of course, you always want to have people in your corner. I decided to go for it. I applied, I got into Frost School of Music with a scholarship. I learned a lot in music school. So I did learn a lot of the behind the scenes of what it takes to create a song and how to release it and different things like that. But I learned more of the music industry with my internship. In my internship, I worked for Emilio Estefan. And I was supposed to only be there for three months. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, every three months, I would be like, I want to stay another three months. And they would always be like, yes, of course. And I'm like, you don't have to pay me. I don't care. You know, my school was only five minutes away from his studio. So I told him, any second I have free, I will come over and I will do whatever you want. I will get you coffee. I will get you food. I just want to be here and learn. And I lasted there two years. Wow. It was an amazing internship. But in the first few months, it was all about, let me prove to them that I'm serious about this. So yes, I would get every single coffee they asked, every single food. I would stay there for many, many hours. Sometimes sessions went up until three in the morning. Then I have to get up for an 8 a.m. and the next day. I was very dedicated to prove to them that I was serious. And when summer came around, the first summer, I actually asked to stay another three months. And those three months were pivotal because that's when Emilio said, we need to find another intern because I want you to start writing with me. Wow. And I had kind of proven to him, like, I don't care how long it takes. I just want to learn. And I think the great thing about that internship is even if you are the coffee girl, you learn. You know, like just being in that environment was everything I ever wanted to experience. The people that were coming in and out, the, the conversations that everyone was having, um, learning, you know, how he was as like a producer and as a Grammy winner and as who he is, you know, Emilio Stefan is a huge name. What I love most about that inter internship is that he really dove in to teach me. He was someone that was very transparent with how he works. You know, like we're in a session. This is how we're going to write. This is what I have in mind. But he was also very collaborative and he was very willing to hear my ideas and see someone else's point of view. I think that is super important with anyone that's in the industry not to be so closed off to an idea. That really helped us work, you know, and, and kind of find like a flow to how we collaborate. It ended up being a great partnership and I have a catalog with them, which is an amazing thing to say as a songwriter. And during that internship was when we wrote Cuando Hay Amor for Gloria Estefan. There's two things I love about the story as you're telling it. A lot of people that want these big opportunities for a big internship, a big job to land a gig, to have these levels of success in whatever they're doing, they forget about the unsexy, gritty parts of it that they're going to have to go through. You said you didn't shy away from being the one to get their coffee, being the one to do the late night runs, being in the studio with them. So that just is a testament to your grit and your persistence to be able to come to where you are now to say you have a catalog with them. That is insane. Thank you. At the time, I didn't really know that getting those coffees was obviously going to result in me having a catalog with them. But I, that was never even like the goal. You know, the goal was just to show them that I was someone that was interested in learning more and being a part of that journey with them. I think that was an important mindset to have at the time because there were a lot of interns that we interviewed that were a part of my internship too that didn't last. 
you know, they would last like two weeks and then they would get upset that they were in a session with him. And those people, you know, like, I don't know where they are now and hopefully they're, you know, they're all doing well, but it proved to me that you just have to like kind of stick it out, like you said. And it really does take a certain kind of person, you know, like you have to kind of like figure out a way to realize that you have to put in the work and that it'll show up one way or another if you just keep going at it. And I think that's true with anything that you do in life. If you just keep going, keep going, don't give up on yourself, believe in yourself, you will get there eventually. How did you see your growth in your own voice and evolution as a, a songwriter during this time? Oh, that's a great question. Actually, um, when I started writing with him, I also became a part of being his demo girl. So anything that we ever recorded, I would also have to sing. And the reason that we do this is because it's a great way for people to hear what the song is actually going to sound like, and it's easier to pitch the song to other artists. So I would have to get in the booth after we would be we would write everything, and he would say, "Okay, the artist that we're kind of thinking is more uh, has more of like a raspy voice, so we kind of have to emulate that." And I would have to try to kind of have a raspy voice, but there were other times where the tone had to be very, very, very clear. And then I would have to also learn how to change my tone for that. And he really taught me and guided me on how to manipulate my voice so that I could pitch a song better. When we're tasked with doing something, anything creative, we can only kind of see what's within our own box. But having an experience like that, that makes you step into different characters, try new things, I imagine it's almost like a different muscle that you're trying on, right? To discover different parts of yourself. Also just kind of gave me some confidence too, you know, because it was a great way for me to learn. It was kind of like a good thing for me to combine with my with my curriculum. Were you at all ever feeling like a sense of, holy moly, I'm working with some of the biggest artists around, did you feel that sense of imposter syndrome? Like what were all the things that were going through your mind in, in this process of doing these big things, especially at such a young age? You know, I haven't looked at my journals in a while, like uh, from that time. So I should definitely go and check that out. But I do remember not feeling nervous. And I think it was because Emilio and Gloria, I think anyone that knows them will say that they're very humble people they will treat you like their daughter, you know, like they'll treat you like an equal and it doesn't matter who you are. Like they're very accepting and very welcoming. And I think that was such a relief um, because obviously, yeah, he is a big name. She is a big name, but they were so kind and they just kind of accepted the fact that I was trying to learn and they were willing to teach. And so I never felt nervous. I never felt a sense of imposter syndrome. I think I felt more of an imposter syndrome when I released my own music instead of writing for someone like Gloria, which is crazy to say, but it is true. And I think, I think that rings true for a lot of people. It's almost like you feel it more when it's about you because you have more of that kind of insecurity within yourself, with your own work. 100%. As a, a singer, I actually call myself a former singer, I could so relate to that. Your voice is such a personal thing, unlike other instruments that you can manipulate or really kind of could be anyone. Your voice has like the unique personal quality to you. It's so exposing to be a singer like it's a very vulnerable thing just overall it is and I, I think the last year I interned with them I was about to graduate college and I remember going up to Emilio and you know the whole crew at the studio and said like I need to find a job 
So I can no longer work here for free. And that was also a very pivotal moment for me because I knew that I wanted to leave the studio and the relationship with an open door. I wanted to make sure that it didn't come off as a way of like, I'm done and now I'm leaving. It was more of a, I have to continue my, my life and my journey and I want to continue with you guys. I want to grow though, mm -hmm. you know? And so that was an important conversation with me to have with them because I wanted to let them know how grateful I was and am till this day. Like I say it all the time. It was the best mentorship I ever could have asked for. And I did, you know, thankfully I left with an open door and Emilio actually ended up offering me a job with their corporate office as a legal assistant. And at the moment I was like, I'm not a lawyer, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he was like, it's a great learning opportunity for you. You know, you're going to learn the ins and outs of how to clear a song about advertising, about licensing. It's going to be really good for you, for your career, like to know the back end of how that, that part of the music industry works. While I was at the last year of my internship slash also starting the new job with them, I started recording my own EP, Echoes. And I knew I wanted to release it independently because I'm not signed, nor do I have like a manager or anything like that. So it was really up to me to kind of get the funding, to figure everything out, to get the producers, to everything. And I partnered up with a bunch of my buddies from college and we got into a basement, my friend's basement, and we just recorded the whole EP in like a week, I think. And it, yeah, and it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I ended up charting on iTunes when it came out. And that was like, blew my mind, because you have all this imposter syndrome, like you said, you have all this like doubt, I don't know what's gonna happen, who am I to do this? Um, you know, I've never released any music, I'm just getting out of college, all these different thoughts go through your head. And then it happens. And you're like, what do I do now? Mm. And it was a great moment. It was a really nice moment. And Emilio and Gloria and everyone at the company was super supportive. And when I told them, you know, like, this is my shot to go to LA and kind of continue my music career now that I have kind of this sort of momentum. And they super understood that. And they were like, go for it, do your thing. And that's kind of how my LA journey began. What was it like to uproot and move out there on your own? It was scary. <laughs> I had never experienced being away from home. I hadn't actually immersed myself in like another city. And I knew that I wanted to do that. And so I told my parents, I think I'm going to move. And my parents were like, what? And I said, first, I'm going to go to New York. And there was my dad who was like, I don't really know if New York is the place you got to be because he's like, you came back to LA with demos. Obviously, that's the place you got to be because you were super productive there. And I did. I took his advice and I knew it was the right decision because everything aligned perfectly. I found, I told myself I would only be there for four months. Fast forward, I've been there for three years. <laughs> I found an apartment for five months. It was like perfect timing. My car got shipped for super uh, cheap and I was able to pack my things inside of my car. So everything really just fit perfectly for me to, yeah. And so I knew that that was kind of a sign to that I was doing the right thing. And when I got to LA, it was super scary because it was the first time living alone. It was the first time having to figure everything out by myself. No friends there, no family there. It was really kind of like all up to me. Like, okay, every day I have either the guts or nothing else to not, mm. you know, like I either do it or I don't every single day. 
the first week I was there, I printed 20 copies of my resume and I went to the main boulevard where I was staying and I just went door to door asking for a job. I didn't want any help. (laughs) I was being stubborn and I was kind of like, no, I'm moving here and I'm going to do it on my own and I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to prove to myself that I can do this. Because if I was able to do my EP and chart, I'm able to move to another country, another country uh, to the other side of the country and to do this. You were hustling. So, <laughs> I was. I was hustling. <laughs> and, and I did. I went door to door. And the last person I went into the store, it was this lady. And I went up to her. I was sweating. It was like one of those really hot heat wave days in L.A., and I was like, hi, I'm new here. I don't know anyone. I need to make friends. And I also need a job. I would love to work for you. And she called me that night or emailed me that night. And she was like, let's, let's meet tomorrow. I'll train you. And I worked at that boutique store for a year and a half. Wow. And the great thing about that boutique store was that she's still one of my biggest supporters in L.A., Anytime I had a session, she was the person that would come and take over my shift. Like my boss would come and be like, okay, yeah, you got to go. Fine. No worries. I'll take over. And she would let me leave my job to go and do my other job, which was a blessing. I know that that's not, doesn't happen all the time. She knew that my priority was to be a songwriter and to get into sessions because I had never written with anyone else but Emilio Estefan. And now I was in a new city with all these songwriters who are super creative. I flew across the the country and I'm just like, okay, now I got to do it. Mm -hmm. And she was really helpful with that. Along your journey, there were so many moments where you had to rely on yourself, your own persistence, you know, your own just willingness not to give up. And then you come to this new place in LA where the expectation is you're doing a lot more collaboration and you're you're meeting with others and you're honing your craft in different ways. Was that a bit of a shift for you? It was because I had always written by myself and now all of a sudden I was in like rooms with strangers, which sounds very scary. And honestly, it is very scary because you kind of want to collaborate with anyone and everyone that you meet there because you really never know what song could come out of it. But it was a shift because I had to learn how to, I guess, mold myself to the kind of music that people wanted to write. You know, a lot of times that was not a good mix. Like a lot of times I would be like, I don't really like the song we wrote today. It's definitely not going to be a song I release, but it's going to go on my catalog and it's going to be something that I can maybe pitch for someone else. So it was a lot of trial and error. And I think now being there for three years, I know who my people are and I know who I work best with and I know who I can go to depending on the style of music or, you know, you kind of figure it out as you go. Hmm. I imagine you learned a lot about yourself in the process and as your your style and taste and, and stuff evolves, it sounds like your own pursuits are evolving too. How did you get from that point that you were at to now with the Journey of Pursuit podcast? Tell me about that transition. So being in LA for three years now, I haven't released any of my own music since I moved. And at first, I thought that was a huge failure. I thought that was something that I kind of missed an opportunity with. But now looking back and knowing everything I know now and, you know, the person I am today, I realized that 
it was exactly what I needed because in those three years, I don't think there was really a song that I felt like it was me. And I felt like those three years, I needed to really develop myself and, you know, figure out what was something that brought me a lot of joy. And, and this year when the pandemic hit, I got laid off of my job and it was a very scary time. When the pandemic hit, I didn't go to music for that release or that sense of like connection. I actually turned to podcasting or podcasts. Like I would listen to podcasts all the time and I just found myself listening to more and more throughout the day and not so much music. And at first I thought that was, there was something wrong with me, you know, like, oh my God, maybe I lost like my creativity with music. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a songwriter. And I realized with everything that was going on with the pandemic and everything that I was learning through these podcasts that that's okay. You know, like you don't have to be creative in just one outlet your whole life. That idea really made me less afraid and more understood because I felt like I had to be a, a songwriter and like everyone knows me as a songwriter and I have to be successful at this and I haven't released music and that's a huge failure. And then I was listening to these podcasts that were people that were like, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, if you have another feeling of doing something else, like you can do that. I kept realizing I was listening to a lot of podcasts that were about, you know, women or people that were already a little older than me and, you know, are married, have kids. Uh, are established, have that house they've always wanted. They're already in a different part of their life than me, where I'm, you know, I'm 26. I don't have kids. Like, I'm not married. I don't have a house, you know, different things like that. Like, that's not where I am at. So I started looking for podcasts that I could relate to a little bit more that talked about those same things that those women were talking about, but with the 20s in mind. And I really couldn't find a lot. So I decided that I was going to start a podcast about that, the people in their 20s that are doing the thing that they want to do and succeeding at it at a young age and just making sure people are highlighted with that in mind. Like you are young, but you've done so much. Let's highlight all the things that you've done. It was also a very scary moment because I was like, okay, I have this idea. Should I do it? I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to record. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't even know podcasting had like a hosting site. I had no idea about podcasting. I just knew that I wanted to connect with people like I used to connect with music um, because that's ultimately what songwriting and music is for me. It's a way to connect with people all around the world and it's a way for me to like be a part of my peers. And because I wasn't doing that for so many years, I felt like I lost that part of me. But podcasting made me realize that I still have it in me. It just might not be music at the moment. And that's okay. I think podcasting right now is just giving me so much happiness and joy that that eventually or already I'm already seeing how much more I'm writing music and getting more inspired. And I think it's because when you focus on something that brings you joy and I found it to be the best thing to happen to me in 2020. It's so great too, because I think you have something that as a songwriter, you have something now that gets you out of your head. The reasons why we get blocked creatively is because you're so like intent on like, this has to work. Like it needs to come together. It needs to be a good song. But once you can take a little bit of space from it, creatively, I find just more things happen in your favor, right? You, you mm -hmm. have a little bit more perspective. Yeah, totally. As I look back at my own life and I think about the big goals that I've been 
pursuing that you think like, this is my purpose. This is the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. As I've matured, it's such an interesting thing to look and see and understand that it's the journey along the way to getting there that actually becomes your purpose as like a teachable opportunity for somebody else. And I know with some of the stuff that you're working on, your your new course for songwriters and you just being in a space to be able to support people that have uh, a desire to be songwriters, you're experiencing that as well. Yeah. And I think the journey is all part of it. Like well, there's not just one thing that you're meant to do for the rest of your life. I think that there are many parts of you that can be everything you are. And at first I thought like I could I could only do music and I could only connect, but now I'm seeing that podcasting is actually giving me more of the ability to connect with more songwriters and connect with more people in the music industry because I've met so many incredible people incredible people in LA. A lot of them are guitarists, singers, songwriters, vocalists, or, you know, they, they play an instrument and they're so good at what they do. And I've been able to interview most of them and be like, tell me about your story. And that also just lets me connect with them on a personal level, which then helps us with our songwriting when we get into a session, because I know more about them. That's something I didn't expect with the podcast. You kind of have to follow whatever feels good at the moment, because that's what's going to take you to the next step that's going to lead you to where you have to go. I'm not saying that just because I started podcasting, I won't ever be a songwriter again, or I'll never write another song, or I'll never have another release. It's I'm just saying that this is what brings me joy at the moment, and it's what I'm choosing to focus on because this is what's going to help me be a better songwriter later. And I think a lot of people have a fear, myself included, of what what people will think. You know, when I first released the podcast, I was so afraid of losing the people that have kind of followed me along my journey as a songwriter. And yeah, I actually did lose a few followers, but I don't really care. You know, like I don't care about followers. I care more about if you actually engage with me, if you actually send me a DM that the song you heard on Spotify like touched you or the episode that you heard made you feel very seen those are the types of connections and things I strive for because that means that I'm doing something right, you know, and that I'm helping people around the world. And that's really what I want. I want to connect and inspire and make this time that I'm on here useful. What are you learning about yourself in the process? I'm learning that I can do many things <laughs> that I tell myself I can't do. The best thing about the podcast is realizing that 20 seconds of courage is all you need in order to do something. I used to be very. I guess I still am. Sometimes I overthink a lot, you know, and I think that's the creative mind. You just overthink a lot of the, what, like, what should I do? Should I do it like this? And you just analyze everything. And if you just took 20 seconds to stop thinking about how everything could go wrong or the fear of what would happen if you did it, you would realize that you can do it. Do it in 20 seconds of that courage window you get. I've realized that with the podcast. I, and I think also believing in myself I had this idea back in May and I released it in October and now it's November and I'm in shock at the amount of people that have listened and, and have messaged me saying like, oh my God, I, I like just discovered you or I'm listening here and this is so cool. And I just never thought that anyone would listen. You know, I just, I did it for my, for my own well-being of doing something that brings me joy. I'm just so happy that 
other people feel that connection with me like I feel it with them. I think when you're in your element doing the thing that you're called to do, like authentically in your zone, people are so attracted to that. We always have this thought of like, oh, who's going to listen to this? Who cares? But Mm -hmm. you just have a way of bringing people in with your music and with your message. I personally love um, your content that you've been putting out. So congratulations on on all the progress that you've made. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we've connected like this year. It's crazy how much we've learned by like just being podcasters together. No kidding. And just, you know, putting the strategies and tools that we're learning in motion and just being scrappy, learning along the way. You can't really understate that all the stuff that we would have read or tried to look up ourselves versus Mm -hmm. being forced to be accountable to it every week is making such a, a huge difference. Yeah. And I think I still deal with imposter syndrome with the next thing that I'm thinking of doing. You know, like you were saying, I am thinking of releasing songwriter courses and like how to to teach someone how to write a song or how to get their EP out or how to start doing sessions with celebrities or with people in LA. And I think to myself, like, who's going to, who's going to pay for that? Or who thinks that I could do that? And if you just like, again, I said 20 seconds of courage, if you could just give yourself the ability to believe in yourself, you'll get there. You just have to keep trying and believing in yourself. I think it's really important. So good. So wise, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. Now, tell us a little bit more about how people can connect with you and and what your offer looks like. So I'm thinking of starting a songwriting course at the beginning of next year, probably late January or February. I'm not really sure yet. I'm still working out the kinks. But before I do that, I am offering a one-to-one call with anyone that wants to get on a call with me and and pick my brain about the music industry or about podcasting or about how I've done the things I've done that you've heard about in this episode. And um, I'll give Chloe a discount so you guys can you guys can take advantage of that. But basically it's just to help other creative millennial entrepreneurs to kind of find what they want to focus on and how to do it, how to believe in yourself. If you want to just pick my brain, I would love to just have that conversation with you guys. So I'm offering one-to-one calls and you can just DM me at Drea Lopez without the E in Lopez and we can set something up. Now, Drea had said she had friends that really saw and gave her perspective outside looking in and helped her refine her talent. This is an opportunity to work with Drea to figure out your own pursuits, maybe get some clarity and some direction on how you can start to go after the things that really mean a lot to you. Now, Drea, you can connect with her on Instagram at Drea. Lopez, D-R-E-A-L-O-P-Z, no E. And she's also got, as she mentioned, a podcast called The Journey of Pursuit. It's got its own Instagram page at The Journey of Pursuit. And you can check her out on our website as well, andrealopezmusic.com. This was such an awesome conversation. I love jamming with music people, creative people, especially singers. And uh, I'm so glad that you're able to really step into your calling this year and do the things that you really feel good about. People are really getting a lot from your message. So thank you for putting yourself out there and being willing to just go after it. Thank you so much. Those were such kind words. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. That really means so much coming from you. You bet. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please connect with Drea, connect with myself. We are right behind you every step of the way. Until next time, get started right now.